I am the Knight. I am Batman! I am your host, Rob Logan, and instead of a normal episode this week, we are releasing two recently recorded panels over the course of the week. The first one that you'll hear today is the Batman 75 panel from this year's San Diego Comic-Con, and it is hands down one of the best panels I have ever seen. Uh, The wealth of talent that was up on the stage is evident as I read those names in a little bit, but you'll definitely want to check this out if you are a Batman fan or just a fan of comic books in general. Then later this week, we will release the John Barrowman Q&A from this year's Boston Comic-Con. John's always crazy entertaining. I saw him in San Diego as well. He always brings something different to the table, too, because it is a QA. and a He's just taking questions from the audience. Uh, And again, that will drop later this week. Before we get into the episode, just two quick things you can do to help support the show and keep it free for everybody, including yourself. One way is to go to thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. If you're an online shopper and you do use Amazon, if you go to that link, thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon, before you do your shopping on Amazon, anything you buy, we're going to get a little kickback of that money. You're not paying anything extra. You're just supporting us by adding one more tiny little step to your process. Or if you want, you can bookmark that link and then use that in the future anytime you want to do your Amazon shopping. That helps us out a lot. Again, that's thegeekgeneration.com slash Amazon. Also, if you'd like to do something more direct, you can go to thegeekgeneration.com slash support and become a patron of The Geek Generation. That link will bring you to our Patreon page where you can sign up, choose an amount, and that amount will be automatically donated each month. You can cancel that donation at any time if you change your mind. We're asking that you only donate $1 a month. That's not a crazy amount, I don't think. But if you're feeling generous and you want to do that, thegeekgeneration.com slash support. And now on to today's panel. This is the Batman 75 panel from San Diego Comic-Con. It is the 75th anniversary year of Batman, so they made a big deal of it at San Diego Comic-Con this year. One of those big deals was this panel, which features legendary creators Neil Adams, Jeff Johns, Jim Lee, Frank Miller, Grant Morrison, Denny O'Neill, and Scott Snyder, discussing how Batman has grown into one of the most popular and influential icons of all time. If you are a regular listener to the show, you know how huge a Batman fan I am, so you can just imagine how thrilled I was to see this panel in person with that array of talent up on that dais. It was absolutely amazing to hear, so I had to record it for all of you, and here it is, the Batman 75 panel from San Diego Comic-Con. Good afternoon, San Diego. So you guys got to cheer yourselves out and you're cheering as people walked up, so you're going to have to really set a new benchmark. So let's do this again. One, two, three. Good afternoon, San Diego. I am your moderator today for the Batman 75 panel. Is that why you're all here? Well, 
much like you, and probably even a little more so because I'm up here. It's my distinct personal pleasure to be here today to host this once-in-a-lifetime panel celebrating 75 years of Batman comics. Since precisely no one sitting here today is here to hear me, let's get onto it and introduce this panel. Our first guest to my left is truly a legendary figure in the history of comics. He is perhaps best known for his 1970s run of Batman titles, a run that focused on Batman as a vengeful, obsessive, compulsive, and was described aptly by one critic as, quote, an act of creative imagination that has influenced every subsequent version of The Dark Knight. In the 1980s, he became the group editor of the Batman family and titles, overseeing the iconic Nightfall, among other great books. spent in the service of Batman. Please welcome Mr. Denny O'Neill. Speaking of legendary figures in the history of comics, our next guest was the longtime collaborator of Mr. O'Neill, a collaboration that is rightly hailed for creating a more sophisticated take on comics that expands the artistic nature of the medium. That's pretty good. Their work on Batman reestablished Batman's dark, brooding nature and the noir look and feel of his world that stands to this day. He returned to the character in 2010, writing and illustrating the mind-bending Batman Odyssey. Please welcome Mr. Neil Adams. Certainly a portent of things to come. In 1986, DC Comics published his classic Batman The Dark Knight Returns, which he wrote and illustrated, and Comics as Literature was born. In 1987, he and David Mazzucchelli launched the landmark Batman Year One, one of the core Batman titles to this day. Batman to write what I consider the vastly unappreciated all-star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, a series drawn by yet another panelist. Please welcome Frank Detective Comics, 
In 2011, when DC launched the 52, he became the writer of Batman, and his collaboration with Greg Capullo remains month in and month out the number one best-selling series in comics. He's now one of the co-writers of the Batman Eternal Weekly series, which debuted in April. Welcome, Mr. Scott Snyder. good guy is particularly appealing to the capitalist West. So I think he's, he's kind of, he's very representative of what we, we like to think we stand for. And I think that's why he's, he's always been so important to people in, in, in Britain and in fact it's across the world. Everybody loves Batman. Batman just stands for something that, that stands up on two legs and says, no, I wouldn't have your darkness. I'm going to kick it into submission one tooth at a time.
are told that science fiction was garbage said 90% of everything is garbage. So you can pick out the low points. But my God, there have been a lot of high points. And there's never been any intrinsic reason why this art form shouldn't have parity with all the others. And that's, that's not what's happening. It's an amazing thing for me to sit back and watch it. And part of that watching it, as I turn, is that is that um, Batman, given that he's he's um, as far as I know um, older than any of us here, um, it, it became he took on the character of a folk legend and um, became the the body of a creative a creative uh, you know collaboration that has spanned um, generations. I mean, I, 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 I remember when I, I was a kid discovering Neil and, and Danny's Batman, and um, all of a sudden I, I woke out of that fever dream I was in about the Adam West show. <laughs> and, 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 uh, um, and I really realized that, that what they contributed even from, from Neil's touches of taking scripts that were written to be set in daylight and, and setting them at nighttime, um, brought back the, the, the character as to who he was. So, um, yeah, I've got to give my props to these guys because um, I never could have done Dark Knight without them. to uh, what Neil said, I mean, I think one of the great things about working in comic books today, or actually the whole history of comic books, that it's always been inviting to, uh, to creators to come and, and make their mark on the characters. I don't think early on anyone knew what these characters would eventually become, so there wasn't a lot of, you know, they weren't worried about experimentation. They really invited people to come in and play around with the costumes and add things to the mythology. So you had all these two different Batmobiles and the costume would change and the length of the ears would go up and down. And, and there was never a style guide given to a creator to say, hey, it has to be done exactly this way. And you can only tell these safe kind of stories. And to the testament of all the people that are on the stage, they went and, and, and did their take on the character. And that's what's kept it vibrant and fresh and modern, even over 75 years. Excuse me, there's also the, um, the fact that Batman is sexy. <laughs> he, he's, he's, the, he's, he's the good guy who dresses up like a bad guy and throws people through windows. And, 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 and so he, he does strike terror um, into, into criminals' hearts. And his motivation is so simple that, that the, the, uh, the fact that this what could have been just a normal rich kid turned himself into um, the pinnacle of a human being, even though he dressed funny, um, is, 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 is part of his appeal. There is, a, there is one little thing that we do tend to forget about Batman. When the comic book business began to do superheroes, when Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster created Superman, and DC Comics and all the other publishers told their artists and creatives to draw things like and write things like Superman and make superheroes. 
even though Bob Kane created Batman and Bill Finger created Batman. Even though they did this, they didn't take, I don't know, the instructions seriously. They made Batman into a human being. Batman doesn't have any superpowers. He goes and he exercises. He doesn't have any super intelligence. He's just intelligent and he uses his brain. Batman is what we would rather be. He is the this end of the superhero scale while Superman is at this end and everything else is between them. Batman is you and me. Simultaneously, Superman is a bitch to plot for. This guy is God. How do you put God against a petty crook and, and have a, a story with conflict and drama? Batman, I've always thought of him as, as really like the toughest, smartest guy in Gotham City. But yeah, he's real easy to get in trouble. Any death trap will do. Uh, <laughs> It's one of the reasons why I, I cut Superman loose after a little bit more than a year and always loved writing Batman stories. You could get him in genuinely human situations, you could get him in genuine danger, and you didn't have to slow the story down or bring it to a halt while you explained why what we saw him do last month he isn't doing now to solve the plot problem. There's also the fact that Superman is a good old boy. That he, he obeys the rules his parents taught him. He's a country kid. And while Batman is a guy who loses his temper. And, and when he loses his temper, he's pretty fearsome. So, so, so the, uh, the comparison between two characters is, um, there, there's a, a broad gulf between them, as Neil said. <laughs> And and uh, um, and uh, you know, <laughs> kids seem to grow up being either Batman or Superman fans. I knew we saw that one. Another element is the iconography. He looks like a demon. I mean, he looks like he stepped off of a medieval painting of the devil. And we are fascinated with evil, and here is a guy who looks like the devil, but he's on our side. It's a way of having your cake and eating it. <laughs> Confronting what scares you, and then being reassured that it'll be okay. I feel like my job on this panel is just not to faint or cry. <laughs> But, um, um, I, I mean, for me, I think what it is that keeps him so enduring and makes him popular maybe right now also and makes him so much fun to write is that he's a guy who takes this trauma that's sort of primally terrifying as a child, you know, that there's nothing scarier than random violence, someone just stepping out of the shadows and, and killing everything that keeps you safe. 
and he turns it into an engine to make himself this kind of strange pinnacle of human achievement, and then he does this crazy thing, because it's, it's nuts. I mean, he goes up and he says, I turn myself into this thing that you see swinging through the sky, and makes no sense at all, like no effing sense, to dress like a bat and, and put myself out there as a target and suffer these criminals and all of this stuff. But if I can take that terrible thing that happened to me and, and, and transform myself into this almost comically um, uh, larger-than-life symbol of achievement, I think, uh, then you can do, uh, you can overcome the kind of terrifying things that are happening in your life. So as much as he's also a figure of, of terror, and that's all the, the fun for me, I mean, writing him, and I think it's one of the best things is he is, he's terrifying and he's sexy and all of those things. But he's also incredibly inspiring in that way, and I think as much as he kind of terrifies the bad guys of Gotham, he also, especially, you know, when you're going through a hard time in your life, I think for me as a kid, in New York City, you look to Batman to be able to say, I'm going to be defiant, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do the crazy thing that everyone thinks I can't do. And in that way, he, he's a pinnacle of achievement and inspiration too. So I guess that's, that's to me at least, what, what makes him so endlessly interesting, I guess, that sort of bumped up against his mortality and the things that he, he knows are coming, the terrible things that he knows are coming in terms of the frailty of his own body and all of that. And, and um, you know, makes him endlessly rich and interesting. Yeah, but he also runs around with a little kid in bright tights who's a, who's a living target. And also, for decades on end, he had a big, stupid yellow circle around his back. Which, among my proudest achievements as a professional, was getting rid of that goddamn yellow. I've only written one book and working on Gotham right now, but I've, I've written him in other things. I, I echo what a lot of people up here say. That the interesting thing about Batman is I think every single generation now has grown up with Batman and a lot more, more than the comics. And you've got kids out there dressing like Batman and you've got older people reading Batman graphic novels and watching the films. And I, I think the love for the character has been shared generation after generation after generation. And the reason it's just so enduring and... Um, and I think prevalent today is just people sh share it. They share the, the common primal instinct to want to do something better, to want to fight back, and to um, sometimes you have to embrace the darkness to confront the darkness. And, and it's a complex thing, but it is also, like Denny said, his motivation is extremely simple. And I just think it's all the passion and the love for the character that has continued to make it so strong and, and such a, uh, I think, a it's almost a baton that we pass to each other. Like if you're on the subway and you see someone reading a Batman comic or wearing a Batman t-shirt or the Batman tattoo, there's just an instant connection with that person, no matter who they are. Uh, and it's also probably one of the most recognizable symbols in the world, in the whole world. This is our modern day mythology. This is, these are our Greek gods and, and Batman is the king of them. Batman as opposed to Superman or conceivably now Spider-Man. I have a kid who makes movies and uh, I once, to, you know, I, his friends came over and helped me move. That, that's really uh, a son's uh, 
a devotion to the family. And I asked them, you guys are nice. You're an enormously nice people, and your work is so relentlessly gloomy. And somebody said, well, it's because we grew up in a world that's not really very safe. And it's true, when I was seven years old, I got on the bus and I went 15 miles in the downtown St. Louis and by myself, I did that a lot and my parents weren't being irresponsible. It was a normal thing to do. You guys have grown up in a world where bugs are mutating and lunatics in the Middle East are getting their fingers on buttons and a political situation which is hopelessly broken. It, if I were like 18 years old, I would have a little trouble being cheerful. Uh, Batman reflects that as also he reflects every child's night. You see your parents killed? My God! That's the worst thing a kid can imagine. And again, it's, it's confronting your deepest fears. He does that, so he is if he didn't exist, some canny marketing guy would have to create him because he's really a perfect character for the world we live in. You know, Jeff, you talked a second ago about the sort of multi-generational aspect, and in preparing for this, um, I was reading comics, and... Um, <laughs> Yesterday, uh, Batman 33 by Scott and Greg Capullo came out as the end of an arc. And at the end of that issue, there's a, a little snatch of dialogue that happens, and I promise you it's non-spoiler for all of you who are spoiler folks in the audience. God help you. Um, but it was, it was beautifully timed because it's obviously one of those end of an arc sort of things, but it but also struck me as a way to open up that discussion, and this is what Scott wrote. Um, and, he, and the speaker is talking about Gotham, but I think you all know what he's really talking about. Gotham, as we know it, exists for a moment in time. It's people, it's neighborhoods, it's hopes and fears and power that power it, and then poof, it's gone and a new city stands in its place. Right now, this city is ours and ours alone, because right now, this is our Gotham. Not our fathers, not our sons, ours, this generation's. And, and again, I thought that was telling because Batman's been this ubiquitous figure for 75 years, being human, we have this amazing desire to self-mythologize our own life. So everybody in this room, and especially up on this panel, has their own Batman, the Batman they fell in love with. And I think that would be a, a, a curious thing to share with the audience. And I'll start with Jeff, and you guys can work down. What's the Batman you fell in love with that made you fall in love with the character? Uh, I, I obviously was exposed to Batman like all of us since I can remember. I think he's probably the first character I ever knew. But, but you know, Dark Knight Returns was the, the story that elevated the character for me. I was pretty young, just starting to read comics, and I saw the second issue. I didn't even read the first issue first. I had missed it somehow. Probably, I think it went to like 100 printings or something. But um, I got the second issue, and, and that, I mean, Dark Knight Returns was the book that, that really defined the character for me. Yeah, I mean, it's strange how Batman was always there. I mean, I remember rushing home to watch the Batman 66 show and not realizing it was campy. You know, it was like, I thought it was so serious at life and death. That show, <laughs> and Tusi and everything was very dire. But, um, 
I mean, for me, growing up in New York, it was, you know, Dark Knight Returns um, just changed my perception of what a superhero book could be. And then on top of that, year one, um, because uh, it just, it suddenly Batman was walking the streets that were around me. I had never seen the city as I knew it sort of portrayed as Gotham. And, you know, there was graffiti and there was urban decay and there were gangs and there was violence and all that stuff. You know, I wasn't allowed to go to Central Park. I couldn't ride the subway. My parents were very overprotective. But... Um, to see Batman living in the immediate terrifying world and to suddenly take that world on was transformative, you know, and it was totally transformative. So that was, for me, I think the moment I realized you could take a superhero comic that was belong a superhero that belonged to everybody and shared public property and that we all love and make a story that's so intensely personal and immediate and contemporary all at once. So that, that really, that sort of opened my eyes to the possibilities, I think, of I guess I, I first came across Batman in the, the TV show, and uh, like, like Scott, I was honestly, I was convinced this thing was like Greek tragedy. There was, no, there was nothing camp about it at all, it was really serious, they were in deep, serious danger every day. So I kind of bought into that, but when I got older it was, it was Denny's and Neil Adams' work, which really turned me on to Batman, I guess, in the early 70s. So as a, you know, I've thanked them before, but I thank them again for that stuff. Just brilliant work, and it really showed what could be done with the character. And then again, just you know, as I was getting into working in comics myself, uh, Frank brought out the Dark Knight Returns, and that again, it was the possibilities that were suddenly opened up. It made it seem like comics were worth getting into again, and there were new frontiers to be conquered. So for me, I guess those three iterations of Batman, which are all quite different, uh, they all still work, they play into how I feel about the character and the huge scope of what he's capable of being or embodying. I think you're going to find everyone kind of pointing to a lot of the same work. Uh, certainly, 1986, Dark Knight Returns, I was a senior in college. Uh, it inspired me to become a professional, want to get into comics. And I've embarrassed Frank. I think the first three meetings we had, I, I literally was doing the. Remember the time when uh, Bruce Wayne uh, he cuts off his mustache in the shower, he doesn't realize it? That was so cool. Uh, that, that scene where they're talking on the cliff and super. Anyway, so uh, I did a lot of that, and uh, um, and on, on, uh, I'll start Batman and Robin. I, I said to Frank, we should bring back the yellow oval, and he bitch slapped me. And, Batman, and uh, so, so uh, getting to work with Frank, uh, you know, really kind of closed the loop for me because that was so inspirational early on in my career. First off, thanks, and it's been a dream for me too. Um, I, I first discovered Batman um, when I was in a, in a department store in Vermont, where I grew up. And um, the, the, uh, they had 80 page giants back then that cost all over a quarter. And, and I um, opened up this book, and it was, it was, it was uh, Jerry Robinson's artwork that, that um, showed gigantic shadows going down buildings and, 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 um, and, and uh, just other outbreaks of 
unspeakable violence and scary characters like the Joker. Um, and and I uh, fell in love on the spot. Um, however, that love kind of faded over time as he became more and more bland. And and uh, it wasn't really until until Daniel took over that I, I started realizing that the character had had um, not not just um, a, a legacy but a future. celebration of the 75th year of Batman is that at the middle of this, the whole thing, there's one invisible character and he's on the stage with us and his name is Bruce Wayne Batman. The rest of us are circling around him. The rest of us are trying to tell his stories, but in the middle, like Sherlock Holmes, who is brilliant, like Sherlock Holmes, who is physically able to take an andiron and unbend it, even after a villain bends it. There is a Batman who we all know, and we are all interpreting our way. But at the center of it all, the thing that we circle around is Batman. He almost seems real. For some reason, none of us get him 100% wrong. In fact, we all get him right. We all get it. He works at night, he's brilliant, he wears a costume, he has gadgets, he has toys, and he does all this stuff that we wish we could do. And he's standing right here, and what we're doing is circling around him, telling his stories. But in the middle is Batman and he's almost real. I don't, I don't think there's necessarily ever been a wrong Batman. Right. Uh, there is the Batman that is right for the times. I think editors got that part pretty right. The 50s stuff is not to my taste. But I wouldn't say it's bad. It was probably right for the 50s. As far as I'm personally concerned, I, I was never a fan. I came into being a professional comics writer from being a professional journalist. The Batman that I saw when I was six and may have been instrumental in teaching me how to read, I remember not quite understanding that character because Superman had a cape and he flew and Batman had a cape and he didn't fly and I didn't know anybody who wore a cape and why would you wear a cape if you weren't going to fly with it? Uh, but it may have been the art. Uh, I do remember seeing those comic books but cut to many years later and I'm a professional writer and for everything we said earlier on the panel, it was really fun to write Batman stories, and it was relatively easy to create drama because you didn't have to explain a lot. You, you can say the origin in one sentence. He saw his parents murdered in front of him and has decided to devote his life to avenging that symbolically, 
and then you can do put him in virtually any dramatic situation you can think of. I don't think he works well in uh, science fiction and fantasy context, but virtually anything else is on limits. So it makes it relatively easy to write him and relatively fun. So a professional writer in me, he was a gift from God, and a six-year-old, he was a gift from Dad. <laughs> well, um, Harry, it, it might be very helpful to sum it up. The best way I've been able to describe it is that Batman is like a very large um, multifaceted diamond that you can you can do almost anything with him. Um, in fact, you can do anything with him and and make it work. You can do comedy. You can do you can do you can do. Um, you know, campy TV shows. You can, you can do um, the, the, you know, the darkest version of it possible. Um, but it, it's like that diamond. You can throw it against the floor, you can throw it against the walls, you can throw it against the ceiling, it will not break. Everything works. <laughs> sort of implicit in my question uh, about generations and what in, in the generations of the people up here on stage uh, make Batman their favorite. I think, again, implicit in that question is that it will keep going forward. And Jeff, you brought something with you today that you wanted us to put up on the screen that I think will help tip on, on other people and where this might be going, so we're going to put that up there. experiencing hallucinations or the physicality of Batman or crawling through little tight holes or you know doing your detective work. I thought it was so close to the experience of Batman and obviously as we know technology is improving and it's immersive capabilities so I think it won't be long before we can actually have full on you know 3D experiences of actually wandering through Arkham Asylum even if it's only our own bathrooms and kitchens <laughs> they could be cunningly disguised so I should stop looking out, is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> So no, I definitely think, I mean, Batman's future is, is assured. It's like Sherlock Holmes or King Arthur or Robin Batman will continue to it, be Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's, um, anybody, um, 
here who um, sits at this panel and says there's no future for Batman or it's limited is declaring himself old. <laughs> So this is day one. <laughs> okay, we are, we have about, what, about 15 minutes left. Our friends here have put a microphone up at the front. We would be happy to take a few questions from the audience. I have bought, uh, brought a few prizes that will be awarded to award-winning questions as deemed by me. Uh, all of the prizes, of course, Batman-oriented. Um, no running, we'll get through as many as we can in the next few minutes, but let's have our first question. Uh, Yes, sir. How you doing, everyone? First of all, this is crazy to even be talking to you. I mean, some of my absolute favorite comic writers all in one place. So thank you all for being here, first of all. Thank you guys for talking about My question is, just like everyone has their own take on Batman in print form or in the comics, as obviously you guys all have your different iterations, um, what are your favorite iterations of Batman in film, um, or do you not like any of them? Uh, do you think anyone's gotten it right, or...? Yeah, I mean, I, I love the recent yeah. Christopher Nolan stuff. I mean, for, for me, that was the best distillation of Batman, and it incorporated a lot of the stuff that, that Danny and Neil had done as well, which was nice to see, and also Frank's stuff, so I think he kind of got it really, really right. But I, I, as a Batman fan, I like all of them. Even those dumb Schumacher ones, I can't. No matter how many bullets you put in the guy, you can't kill Batman, so I like them all. Yeah, I can answer that in two words Christopher Nolan. Uh, I created one of the characters in the first and third Nolan thing, and so you would expect me to be pretty picky about. And about halfway through that script, I thought, my God, he's doing it better than I did. He really gets this character, and why the hell didn't I think of this? <laughs> he is a man who has great respect for the source material. That's not always been true. And a master of his own craft. And sir, for you, I have, as part of our Batman 75 celebration, we were giving these away, but we uh, created little bat masks from every iteration, so here's your Dark Knight Returns bat mask. <laughs> Next question, yes sir. Hi, my name is Ken, and first of all, I'm all, just watching all you guys, you're, you're great, you're masters of your craft, I just love you guys, and we're in awe of you. <laughs>
consider yeah. boring. And I'm sorry, boring. I, I actually think Barbara Gordon's a pretty amazing character. And, and might have been a little strange, but at you know, at one point I was going to do an all-star Batgirl storyline when uh, once Jim and Frank had done 12 issues of all-star Batman and Robin. No, I actually have the script on my uh, computer sitting around, so it never happened. But I, I think Barbara Gordon's, uh, I mean, they've done some great stuff with her in the books and stuff, but just like her origins were, I think, from the show and, and it was still campy. But I just think the the daughter of Commissioner Gordon, who is so in tune with Batman, sees that and wants to, to kind of connect with his, her father and do do her own thing. So I think it's an interesting story. Seeing no other answers, hey, go for you. Also, as part of Batman 75 Day, we did these. We have to unfold it. These nice little promotional capes. <laughs> Comic store, but I got one for you. While he's running, next question. Hi. Uh, just before I ask my question, one person, thank you, Frank Miller, for Batman Year One. It's been my absolute favorite comic growing up, and my ever since my uncle gave it to me. And overall, thank you so much for that because it's fantastic. Is, uh, I know a lot of you, whether you worked on it for a short time or a long time, all of you have written so many stories for Batman. I'm just wondering, what is your personal favorite story arc that you've done, and why? My personal favorite of the story work I've done? Uh, I leave it to you. <laughs> I, uh, I can't really pick one. I, I, I love the character. I love the various permutations he goes through. And, and uh, I, when I was doing Dark Knight Year One, my blood was on fire with Batman, so my memory of it isn't even that clear. <laughs> Who else wants to tackle that one? Denny and Neil, what was your, any favorite story you want to talk about? Well, I'm reluctant to even, I don't re-re-read published work unless there's a need, a continuity question. Uh, I think there have been about a dozen that I take to the grave with me. But I kind of tend to like them for different reasons. Uh, one was uh, we actually succeeded in doing an Ellery Queen type detective story. So just on a craft level, that was nice. But, um, Maybe not a good idea to spend too much time looking at the past. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it's the one we just did, um, Zero Years, because it might, it's sort of big and... It's, it's big and sprawling and all of that, but I feel like it has, for me, it, it's an attempt to, even if nothing can kind of touch the hem of what these guys have done, uh, it's an attempt on our part to do a story that uh, tries to live in the spirit of something like Year One, and also it has pieces, I think, of what um, uh, the stories that I've loved by Grant and by Denny. And one of the weird things is, by the way, like Gotham is such a scary place, and you know it's so intimidating the stories that have been told by these guys for someone like me coming onto the book. 
but they've all been so incredibly supportive of us. And when I started Zero Year, I mean, Denny and, and Grant and Frank, you know, I mean, when I started Zero Year, um, I was so intimidated and scared, and I actually bumped into Grant last year at San Diego, and he couldn't have been. Every year I bumped into Grant at San Diego right before I started Big Arc, and I'll tell it to him, like, when we meet each other in passing, and, you know, to know that that kind of stuff has his blessing, or that he's been supportive, and then Frank being supportive. For us, Zero Year was sort of us feeling brave enough to try and make the mythology personal and modern. So, regardless of sort of how it came out, I feel like the spirit of it is something that we wanted to kind of honor the stuff that we loved. Stay afraid. <laughs> These are the conversations we had while working on All-Star Batman and Robin. You'd call me these messages. That's... <laughs> He's like, you know, I, you know, he had said he had read, he was reading it, and he goes, and you gave him a good goddamn haircut. All right, for my last questioner, I have for you one of the uh, Bob King Batman masks, and then this nifty Batman Twenty Seven Detective Twenty Seven promo book that we're giving away down in the booth. Uh, if you have not been by the DC booth, this is a good time to shout it out. It is an amazing collection of archival Batman material. And again, much like this panel, it's a once-in-a-lifetime collection. If you haven't been yet, get down there and take pictures. You'll never see it again. Next question. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm losing my voice, but it is really cool to see all of you guys just in one panel. Um, if you could briefly, I have a request, if you could share any anecdotes you guys have about Bob Kane or Bill Finger, uh, you know, uh, first impressions, uh, so to get memories you may have of them that helped you uh, write the stories that you guys uh, wrote. And thank you in advance for your answers. Uh, you didn't hear the question. Uh, he was asking me if you had any memories or anecdotes about Bob Kane or Bill Finger. I remember meeting Yeah, it really is beautiful, uh, beautiful weather out here. <laughs> talked in another panel about Bill. He was a kind man. He was a gentle man. He was one of the first people to understood to understand how to write for comic books. He understood it's not a script. It's not a screen. It's not a proscenium. It is an eight and a half by eleven page. And that puts some constrictions on what you can do, but it also opens up a lot of possibilities that they didn't have before. Bill kind of knew that from the get-go. You look at those early comics in them, those guys were mostly from the post, and they were used to writing for a print format. And as for Bob, well, as I said, it, there's such glorious weather, I love coming back to San Diego. Uh, well, um, I'll tell you about that one uh, encounter with Bob Kane which is where, um, which was here in San Diego, where he um, was quite bewildered by Dark Knight. <laughs> and mainly asked me, mainly asked me why that woman has swastikas on her butt. <laughs> Batman, right? Yes. You know, I had a cartoon.
cartoon show, too. Oh, that's interesting. Would you like to hear about it? Well, I'd like to hear about your stories about Batman. Okay. And then he began about a 20-minute conversation about Batman, and he mixed his cartoon show in with Batman. And I just walked away confused. <laughs> because I think you turn Bob's light out. <laughs> Someday, somebody's going to write a, a Cavalier and Clay type novel about, um, oh about Bill Finger. Uh, it, it's a kind of a great American tragedy. Uh, it grows injustice, but uh, it's been explained to me how it happened, and I now understand that it wasn't malice on anybody's part, at least not back in 1947. It was, it was the world they were living in. It was uh, copyright, work for hire stuff as then interpreted. And I think that Bill was basically a shy man who wasn't going to beat his chest and demand his rights. And it's also it's good to think of him as a writer because his work is really great. If you read those Batman stories, he, he turns the concept around again and again and again, and he does it for like 20 years, and he just keeps finding new ways of talking about Batman. And also, he came up with the word Master Fiend, which was his description of the Joker, and I think somebody's got to name their band that right now. <laughs> Master Fiend is the greatest word in the world. And it was made up by Bill Finger. <laughs> collectibles panel. This is from the Arkham game. It's a Dr. Hugo Strange action figure because it can't just all be about comics while we're up here. Thank you. Yes, young lady. Next question. So, if there's this, like, spirit of Batman that we're all circling around, what do you think is the... what version of Batman through all the comics and through all the films... What do you think represents the spirit of Batman most of all? I'm guessing you're asking me. <laughs> and I think it's an amalgam, I know the hard word, it's an amalgam of what we all do. Uh, the last three movies that came out, I believe the first two or three were good. I liked the third one, but I thought it wasn't exactly Batman. I'm hoping, that, I'm hoping that the people who make the films take a little more armor off of him or make it out of something where we can see his muscles and stop making masks that make his face look like this. Because you know what, uh, when you're fighting, you do have to turn your head now and then. So I think that we haven't found it yet. I think that we've sort of found it in comic books between all the artists that you've seen. And I think in film, we haven't quite done it yet. I'm hoping that the people who are doing it now will be able to do it. Uh, I know nobody asked me about Ben Affleck, but you know what? I think he's terrific. <laughs> Thank you.
can say is that, that um, the, the uh, best way to experience Batman is in comic books. Uh, so far. game, uh, you still see really that ten-year-old boy that, that whose life was shattered by this tragedy, and if anyone's a parent or has you know, loved ones, you know, um, you can't help but, but feel strongly sympathetic and want to hug that, that little boy, and you know, he's a character that would probably give up everything, the billions of dollars, the lifestyle, the Batmobile, all that, uh, to change, you know, what happened to him as a kid, and so I, I think that's that's, when I think of Bruce Wayne, I think of Batman, I, I kind of go back to that. And, and when I see my young kids and how I feel about how protective I am of that, I feel protective of Bruce Wayne and Batman. Yeah, I think, I mean, to me, Batman is, is all the versions of Batman. I know you're asking for one of them, but... I think you have to look at all of them together because you're like a person, like you know, sometimes they're happy and sometimes they're sad and sometimes they're angry and sometimes they're funny. And I think what makes Batman so real is that he's been allowed to be all of these different things through the years. And like a real person, he has lots of different angles and dimensions, just like Frank was saying. So you have to see him from all these different angles because in the old show you can see him being funny and silly. Then you can read the comics where he's really scary and dark. He's different in every one of them, but it's, if you imagine that as one person, that's why he seems human. He's filled with contradictions. He's got differences of opinion. He has different days. Some days he's happy, some days he's sad. I would, I would also add that um, I think I finally found the answer to your question, um, which is that the very best Batman is the one you like the best. five, maybe six, fairly radically different interpretations, and ain't none of them wrong. If you love it, I'm sad. I would just say, like, you're talking about the spirit of Batman, the fact that you're here in the panel wearing a cape and a mask, like, you are the spirit of Batman. <laughs>